Today's show is brought to you by WarbyParker.com. Get a free five-day home try-on at WarbyParkerTrial.com slash PPN. Five pairs, five days, 100% free. Hey, babe, where did you get your glasses? Mm, the glasses store? I don't think you did, though. Oh, Warby Parker. Yeah, both of us wear Warby Parker glasses. So, you know, if that's an endorsement, take it as you will. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch all the movies in our movie library in alphabetical order. From A to Z. And this week we watched... Isle of Dogs. <clears throat> it took you a second to remember, huh? I was gonna say Isle of Doggos. Isle of Doggos? Yeah. I thought you were gonna say Isle of Pups, actually. Aww. Or dog adventure movie with just a little bit of racism. Who directed this movie wes anderson yes you you hesitated for a second well and usually he doesn't do animated movies well, so no this is his second animated movie what's the first one fantastic fox. mr fox which is a fun movie that i don't know i couldn't get into it it was kind of weird what what were the animals like too anthropomorphized yeah for, that's what was fun about it that was the it point was of the like movie furries. Like, the well <sighs> mm-hmm Mm -hmm. You're not wrong, mostly mm -hmm. because George Clooney did voice Mr. Fox. Is he a known furry? No, but he is a known, very handsome man. So, like, I understand Are it. foxes symbolic of, like, handsome people? I mean, sometimes. Or you think just... Meryl Streep voiced the wife, if I remember. Actually, I might be entirely wrong. What? I'm, I, don't, I'm pretty sure, I don't know. I'm not... I'm pretty sure Meryl voiced Mrs. Fox. I only remember watching like 10 minutes of it and being like, nope, nope, nope. We watched the whole thing together, didn't we? Did we? Or did I just watch that on my own? This you was this was have. early in my college I don't years. Know. I don't know. But similarly to Fantastic Mr. Fox, this movie is chock full of A-list actors and voice talent. Oh, yeah. A lot from the Wes Anderson recurring Steer. players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... Brian Cranston, I don't think he's been in a Wes Anderson before, but he uh, he voiced the Ooh. main dog, Chief. Brian Cranston. Walter White, the what? dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Oh my god, he voiced Chief? <laughs> yeah, that was Chief. That was Chief. This is, I mean, it's a stack cast list. You got Bill Murray, you got Bob Balaban, Edward Norton, Liev Schreiber, Liev Schreiber, however you pronounce that one, Scarlett Johansson. There are more. Greta Gerwig. Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono. Oh, God. I'm. It's Jeff Goldblum. He heard a rumor, you know? Like, oh, it's it's a very good... Tilda Swinton. F. Murray Abraham. Like, oh, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. If you guys were um, wanting to make a game of this, I think I'm like 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10. Hopefully you're doing better than me with a name recall. <laughs> Okay, let's get the cat in the room out of the way. Rude. I mean, to be fair, cats are arguably the villains of this movie. Or at least the villains are cat people, so specifically. So rude. It is rude. This is a, an, 
But it's a common thing that dog people, or what we used to call a dog. This is not a thing anymore. There dog are not dog versus, and cat people anymore. No, there, there are. It's just that we are both, is the thing. Like, to, there are a lot of people that I know who don't see a distinguishment between dog and cat people. I have seen, they still very much exist. And there are definitely anti-dog people out there like there were in the movie. Which oh, is the, yeah, we have, some of them have come to our house. Just kidding, we love you all. <laughs> but people that are uncomfortable with dogs or if they haven't experienced, which is kind of like a parallel to like real life with things that people haven't experienced. So they immediately like... Absolutely. Or there are like people who like assume that like dogs are dirty or like dogs spread oh disease or something God. like that. Who could think such a thing? I know, but it's... If anything, is... I think cats are dirtier than dogs. You see, but the thing is cats obviously clean themselves all the time. With their own spit. <laughs> Dogs uh, don't do that. Welcome to Dog Discourse, a podcast on the Pocket Podcast Network. I thought you said dog discos, and I was like, okay. I would go can... to a dog disco. Me? Could you imagine... If anyone wants to sponsor us to have a dog disco... Artemis in a sparkly We're outfit. 100% in... Well, they can't... Our dogs can't come. They're a sparkly not, collar. They're pretty rude to other dogs. They can be rude to other dogs. In a controlled environment, they're pretty good. It's just... Yeah, they go to doggy daycare. That's... <gasps> doggy daycare disco! Ooh. Sarah? Sarah, we need to make this happen. Sarah, you're listening to this right now. We know you're listening to it. You need to put a disco doggy ball in your doggy disco. daycare. Yes. Yes. Next time that I board Artemis and Athena there, I want Donna Summer to be playing when I pick them up. Okay? Just, oh my gosh. It's just notes. Notes. You can you can do with them what you will. Also, congrats on your wedding. We haven't said that on the podcast yet. If you want a message like this, you can go to... Pocketpodcastnetwork.com slash pocket notes and you can pay us to say something for you or to you yeah exactly so continuing with this film here is the problem that i have with this movie just one well i mean i have a lot of small problems okay with this okay movie. The overarching they all problem. stem out from this one big one it didn't need to be set in Japan. And if they had been going to set it in Japan, they could have done it in a way that made less of a caricature out of Japanese culture. It was quite obvious that it was some white man's idea of what Japan is. Mm, specifically. Or could be in his universe. An Anderson and two Coppola's ideas of... Uh... And it's like, I can understand wanting to take... The trappings of, like, Japanese art from, like, the Edo period and the architecture and stuff like that. Like, I get that. And I thought it was really visually interesting. You were saying something about the murals, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, the art style is basically... What do you... What would you call it? I mean, I would call it Edo period. Like, yeah. it was, like, very... Like, murals of, like, cats fighting the dogs in this huge, like, and, ancient kerfuffle. And it's meant to sort of evoke that Japanese style... But I'm saying that sometimes when he uses the Japanese culture, it veers kind of uncomfortably into parody. Like, in a not necessarily great way. Like, yeah. in a kind of, oh, look at how different Japan is. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny, guys, that Japan's different? I don't, see, I don't know if that was what the, came out of it, though, well, what specifically. Go, what got me the most was that the Japanese was untranslated for... A lot of it. Yeah, like, that really bugged me. And when it was translated, it was always carried through... Well, English speakers. English speakers 
and specifically white English speakers. Because mm-hmm. even the translator, even though it's not clear what her ethnicity is supposed to be because she's stop motion, she's voiced by Frances McDormand. I think the only Japanese person that ever speaks English is Yoko. Yoko Ono speaks once. She speaks like one line in like and then, broken English. And then uh, the kid speaks it too. The uh, the little pilot sp- oh, the little speaks pi- English to talk to the dogs. A couple. He says, he? good doggo. A couple of times. Oh, well, I think the, that's I, just, that would, I, I assume that was just like buzz he picked up from like culture. Yeah, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to do something set in Japan, maybe you can let Japan speak for itself Yeah, in a way. Like, yeah. it always felt like it was very much filtered through this lens. And sure, maybe that's the way that Wes Anderson has experienced it. But do we need another white person's take on Japan? No, not really. Not really. And I feel like it got kind of sinister, especially with the uh, Greta Gerwig character, who is a character who I, I thought love was. Greta. I, I love her and I love the character too, but I think that the writing didn't serve sensitivity. Right. Very they were well all supporting for her instead like, of her integrating with the Japanese uh, like school kids. Mm-hmm. Except for that one hacker kid, he was baller. The hacker kid was great, even <laughs> though he had no spoken lines. Yeah, that's yeah. The thing. I liked the editor too. It was like I don't print hunch. Like I love that line. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite moments in the movie. Also, just. The monologues in general. This it, it really plays with with the Wes Anderson the traditional Wes Anderson monologue. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that's fun about these Wes Anderson animated movies is that he does not dole down his sensibilities from his normal live action filmmaking for these. In fact, if anything, they get turned up a notch because he's able to so construct everything in miniature, you know? Uh it's it's like like, we watched Grand Budapest Hotel. I don't think we covered it on the podcast, but we watched it recently. And something that's great about that set is the miniatures, right? Miniature? Wait, yeah, so you're Yeah, when saying... he does the miniature... When the ho- when they do the cross-section of the hotel and it's, like, in miniature, like... Oh, yeah. yeah. The way he... Yeah, the way he, like, scales everything down so that he can shoot it, like, all... And I, I mean, that's, like, an art. Like, yeah. that. And, like... That's incredible. So, of course, he's going to translate well to stop-motion animation. Like, mm-hmm. what... Uh, the cotton, right? Uh, when the dogs got in fights, they would it would just be like a blurry thing of like, like cotton flying everywhere. Cotton. It's so cute. And then when they were like above the clouds at one point to the co- the clouds and like the mm-hmm. fog were all rendered as cotton. It made me, it gave me like puppeteer vibes a little bit too. Oh, the flames, the cellophane flames yeah. were really cool too. Like oh, I love and and like I love the way things move in this movie. Like nothing ever gets like uncanny valley because you know they seem like toys, but they also are like expressive. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm just going to say it. Hearing these actors' voices coming out of dogs <laughs> is a, a revelation. Treat. You know? A treat. It's because it's all those, like I said, those Wes Anderson day players. Like Bob Balaban, Bill Murray, just all delivering that classic deadpan that is in every single Wes Anderson movie. But coming out of dogs, like, I'll say it. I'm sick and tired of this garbage. <laughs> I heard, you know, I heard a rumor uh, that uh, puppy snaps, they shut down. Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. And, and all the dogs are, like, rendered differently, too. Like, they all have, like, distinct characteristics. There's, like, except for the one scene where it looks like a bun- they're fighting, like, a bunch of Labradoodles. And who <laughs> yeah. are, like, intentionally drawn the same. Yeah. So that they look like a pack at, as compared to the pack of the main dogs who are all, like, just different. I feel like it's been a while since we watched a film that was just so 
I mean, all films are visual, but this one was just so visually important. Like, you had, like, distinctions in the different characters were very important and evident. Like, the blue eyes. Well, of- I think it's been a while since we've watched the an-, an animated movie. Like, that, that too, like, I feel like a lot of the animated movies that we watch, they, they play with that very well. Like, when we did Coco, that was so, the, oh. the way that, the way that the visuals communicated character was I think was it's time to watch important. Coco again. I think it is. Um, but, but, but no, like, you're talking about the difference in the nose between Lee Schreiber and Brian Cranston's characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they both had the blue eyes, so you could figure, oh, maybe they're the same or related or something. Yeah, and then when he... Mm, it's just... This is a movie that's a lot about, like, the way that our inner natures kind of rebel against change. Wouldn't you say? Like... That was really deep. Well, it is. Can you expound on that? It is. Because <laughs> you have multiple arcs that are looking like that. So... Well, you, you need to explain. This is not... Okay. Yeah. You have Edward Norton's character. Chief. Uh, Chief. Uh, not, not, no. 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 Rex, I think. I, there what? are a lot of dogs with very traditional dog names. Okay, well, we're explaining names. this on an audio medium, so we need to explain these dogs so okay. they know which one we're talking about. The Edward Norton dog who... What does he look like? Appoints himself... Is he's he the, the baseball dog? No, he wasn't the baseball okay, dog. Okay, so that let's, was Bill let's go over the dogs. So let's, there's a dirty dog that's all black. His name's Chief. His name is Chief. I'm looking up the cast list right now. There's so a baseball dog right. that was the baseball like the, the, mascot. Of the, the, was the mascot. His name was... I think he was Rex. Rex. I'm going to double check, though. Uh-huh. Let me look all this right. up first. Well, we all know the ScarJo one, the cute long hair. The cute long hair one that all of film Twitter wanted to fuck for a little while. Yikes! Yikes! But yeah, that's Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Nutmeg was her name. She was a yeah. sh- she was a show dog. She's one of my favorites. At this point, I'm supposed to be juggling, so uh, you'll have to imagine that. <laughs> and it always cuts to him imagining, imagining it. Oh, in so the thought smart. bubble. Okay, yeah. Brian Cranston is chief, a stray dog. Koyu Rankin is Atari Kobayashi, a young boy on the search for his dog Spots. Spots. <laughs> Edward Norton is Rex, who. Baseball dog. Yeah, he no, he wasn't a baseball dog. Okay, Edward Norton was he, he was the uh, dog of the prof- he was the one who was the de facto leader of the group. He was the who who was making all the decisions, and whenever they would vote, he was like, "All in favor, say aye," and everyone <laughs> but Chief would say aye. What color was he? He was brown. Brown. Yeah, he was like a brownish, yellowish. Bob Balaban as King, the baseball. Uh, well, no, King, the doggy chop mascot, the doggy chop dog. Oh, he was the spokes he was, dog. Yeah, for the. Company mm-hmm. that made the puppy snaps. Jeff Goldblum in a, a revelation in this as Duke, a Siberian husky, who was oh. obsessed with rumors. You know, I heard a rumor. <laughs> At one point, Bob Balaban's character King just was like, "Where do you hear all these rumors?" <laughs> you know, dogs talk. I I listen. <laughs> <laughs> but then they cut to Oracle, the little pug, watching the TV, and they're like, "She has, she has psychic. psychic powers. No, she can just understand just... <laughs> the TV." It's incredible. It will rain later tonight. Thank you. (laughs) Bill Murray as boss, a baseball team mascot. So Bill Murray was the baseball dog. And then Liev Schreiber was Spots. Harvey Keitel was Gondo, the leader of the uh, laboratory dogs. F. Murray Abraham was uh, was Jupiter, the Newfie, who's thought of as like the wise sage. Carries the uh, turpentine brandy around his neck. (laughs) Incredible. And then we had, there's one more dog on here. There, there are two more dogs on here. Did you say who Oracle was? Yeah, Oracle was Tilda, of course. Tilda Swinton, a pug. <laughs> and then Kara Hayward, 
who a lot of people know as Sally Bishop from Moonrise Kingdom, played Peppermint, the laboratory dog who uh, Lee Schreiber's dog uh, Spots ended up with. Oh, I just want to say one time the name of the breed that both Spots and Chief are, because it was made up <laughs> for this movie, but it's such a wonderful dog name. An oceanic speckle-eared sport hound mix. It's just, it's so specific, but it sounds like, absolutely like it could be real. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I mean, they're adding new breeds all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's totally so possible what, So what some you're point. saying is that someone is going to breed a dog to look just like Spots and Chief, and then we will see the oceanic speckle-eared sport hound mix it's in competition. Not, it's not impossible. <laughs> he was the first dog to be transported to Trash Island. Oh. How could you? Oh, that was another cool thing about the movie was the pulley system from getting everything yes, over from the main the, island the to the car trash system. island. Yeah, it's it's like the I think it said the not so distant future or like in the near or twenty years in the future or something like that. So it's like just vague enough that like technology would be different, but it also still very much keeps that Wes Anderson like retro tech aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, here's something we didn't talk about. All uh, so the animation is all stop motion, but there are a lot of scenes where we see closed circuit TV or like video or something like that, and the characters are always rendered in like a two D, very flat yeah, style. Yeah, that when was we're watching very them cool. through a monitor, and it, it's just one of those stylistic choices. That's I just did the chef's kiss. That's just it, very loving. Speaking of chef's kisses, the sushi scene. <gasps> oh man. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like can let's 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 talk about this. The head, the head scientist, the uh, the candidate for the science party, who's like developed a vaccine for this dog flu. They kidnap him, and they put place him under house arrest, and then they poison him. And this is another part where I think it kind of dips in, into racism because it's wasabi poison. Like that's the whole thing is like they're using wasabi as a. Well, po- I just, I mean it's just. But something that they thought he wouldn't be able to tell because it's just a tiny amount under the fish. Like, why would you take mm -hmm. apart your fish? The sushi scene is, it's like, it's like a tasty video, but better. Yeah. Because it's, it's shot in the same like top down style where we see the hands working on the food disembodied from the actual chef himself. Mm -hmm. And it, it's all rendered very, very well. Because first of all, it's a live fish that is then killed. Via yeah. ikijime, which is the uh, traditional Japanese way of, like, severing the uh, spinal cord of the fish to, like, so that it dies quickly without, like, seizing up and, like, destroying the meat so that it's perfectly fresh for the sushi. Mm-hmm. And it's just... And there's an octopus. Yeah. There's squirming around. A, and then yeah, a squirming around octopus arm. that's cut off the cut arms. Off. They, they, they cut off the arm already and the arm just goes down and it's still squirming. They beat it so... And then, like, rub it down. And then, oh. oh, it's... It's all... Perfect. Like, that's... That's the thing. Not a thing in these frames is ever out of place. There's nothing there that ever shouldn't be there. It all tells a very specific story. Did I even get into the difference between change and like versus inner nature? I haven't even gotten into that yet. What? So a lot of the plot lines are about characters coming to realizations about what they want and who they are. That are against what they've been essentially bred to be or told that they were. You know? We got and we've got two main examples of this. We've got Chief, we got Marikobayashi. Not Atari. Marikobayashi? Mar- really? Yeah. 
So he comes from a long line of cat people, <laughs> a long line of dog enemies. Like the very the implication is that he's descended from the clan that tried to tried to ban the dogs and fight the dogs off of Japan. Oh. And like you've got that scene with the hot tub where he's got the yakuza tattoos with the cat. Right. Oh my gosh, that was cool too. Yes, absolutely. God, the details in this movie are incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's this revelation at the end when he finally like hears Atari speak his haiku about like whatever happened you know whatever happened to man's best friend Mm -hmm. it's that he finally comes to realization he was like not fair to the dogs not fair to the boy it's wrong and the same thing with chief who swears i'm a bad dog i'm a stray i bite and he's like and like his nature is like i'm not gonna trust atari i'm not gonna help atari and he literally cannot help but help atari but help atari because that's what he wants to do because that is in one way, what he was bred to do, even though it's the opposite of what he's thought about himself and what he's told his whole life. Like, like he said, I'm a street dog. I'm a stray. You know, I've, I've tunneled out every time that I've, that I can, I've always escaped. And it's, I'm going to be honest, Chief's story, it reminds me of one of our dogs who you've probably heard on the podcast a lot. (laughs) No, but it does though. Yeah. Athena, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, so we have two dogs, Artemis, who we adopted when she was three months old back in 2015. And, uh, she was still completely a puppy when we got her. <laughs> like she was just a little baby. Aww. She was so small. We got Athena when she was six months old in 2017. She was a teen. Yeah. And she very much had her own opinion about how to do things <laughs> and still does in some ways. <laughs> Yeah, Athena trained John, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Athena Athena is much more hard-headed, and she's, like, clearly spent more time on the street than Artemis did just by merit of, like, being older and when she was picked up. And mm-hmm. you can still see see some of those habits in her, and you really could when we first got her. She is gets defensive of her food. She gets, you know, a little worried. She's a little skittish, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I think the point is that Chief... What he needed was someone to give him that attention. Someone to give him that love and that care mm-hmm. that he'd kind of been denied. Like, he was, like you really get that in the scene where he's talking about the chili that the uh, grandmother made for him on the night when he had to spend the night in the shed after biting the kid. Like, you get, you get this idea that Chief, even though he's adapted to living on the street and that is kind of his nature, he's... What what he really needs is some sort of affection, and some sort of love and care to really bring out that that good dog in him. Aww. And I think that you know it makes me think directly about Thini too, but it also makes me think that that's he's saying something about just the human condition in yeah. general, or really just in yeah, yeah, like oh, and like I get emotional like whenever Chief does those monologues. I like I'm getting emotional right now. <laughs> Bethany could like literally tell you. <laughs> He's tearing Just up. Just thinking folks. about Well, yeah. Like the movie is called Isle of Dogs because you could pronounce it. Well, first of all, there's an island of dogs. <laughs> but also the entire marketing production I love dogs. Exactly. Exactly. It's cute. And it's you know, it says something about like Hey, we can see ourselves and by anthropomorphizing the dogs, it tells a pretty human story, I think. But it also like 
speaks to humanity's bond with dogs. Aww. Like, it's it's kind of wild that we took this, like, predator group and bonded with them. These things who should have been our natural enemies. And, like, now they live in our houses and we feed them <laughs> and we cuddle with them on the couch. And I think that that's... It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Ugh. I need a break. I oh, need... What a, what a good time to go to the concession stand. Exactly. Okay, we have a really fitting sponsor this week, considering that we're doing a movie all about dogs. Who is it? Chewy. Exactly. Chewy is an online pet supplies resource you can order so many different brands, any brand that you can think of for like pet food, pet medicine, pet toys. They have it and they ship it. They ship it directly. They fulfill it directly. They're not partnering with anybody. So they are responsible for everything coming in. And the cool thing is they auto ship. Wow. So I don't even have to order my dog food every month? Yeah, exactly. When you need more dog food, you can set an interval for it to automatically ship for you. Wow, that'll come in handy. Yeah, exactly. That's really great, considering current events, which we discussed in the last episode. The other thing that I think is really cool is they do a lot of charitable work. Really? They have a uh, Yeah, they have a rescue and shelter network. It's They support a lot of nonprofit organizations that are helping animals out in need, which is great. And that's something that I'm really actually happy to see. I feel like right now a lot of people have been adopting dogs and oh, yeah. fostering dogs. We got our girls from nonprofits. Exactly. We got both of our girls, one from the Humane Society, one from the... Lifeline. Yeah, Lifeline, which is the local animal services or Humane Society that works for both Fulton and DeKalb counties here in Georgia. So, they're incredible. Yeah, they're really great. So Chewy is actually something that I've seen a lot of those services recommend for something to get pet supplies through. Like, a lot of vets have been recommending it as well, especially right now when we can't necessarily go out and buy our dog food. We can get it shipped to us. That's great. So how can our listeners get those great deals? First auto ship order, you save 30%. Wow. No matter what. And you can get that deal by going to bit.ly slash chewy ppn. Athena's very enthusiastic about it, too. <laughs> you can go to bit.ly slash c-h-e-w-y ppn. Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Steampunks, a podcast about badass women in the history of steam. Steam? So like, old trains and boats and stuff? No. Well, I mean, yes, but no. Steam stands for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Oh, like how Ada Lovelace was the first computer programmer, like, ever? Exactly. Awesome. I want to learn more about Steampunks. And you will. And so will anybody who tunes in every other Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Join me and Emily on Steampunks every other Wednesday on the Pocket Podcast Network. And keep flying, you beautiful, majestic, steam-powered horses. So there is one sequence in this movie that we have not discussed yet. And it's one that I've noticed always makes you smile and always makes you really happy because it is at least somewhat a parody of stuff that you do in everyday life. <laughs> Are you perhaps talking about the laboratory scene? I am talking about the laboratory sequence, yes. This is a sequence where, in essence, a clinical trial of a sort is being run. <laughs> we couldn't quite... It's a, it's a pre-clinical, uh, not mouse model, a uh, computer model, I yes. guess you could say. <laughs> 
computer model complete with like dot matrix printouts <laughs> and uh <laughs> Not sure what kind of machines they were going for. Radioactivity here. of a sort. There's definitely a centrifuge where something then gets like electrified, and then once it's electrified, it can reduce snout fever <laughs> and the fertility rate of dogs. Why? Well, like when they just put a drop of it in one of the machines, and it said like it like basically it was a microscope machine where you could see it moving around, and the molecules said, moving. It said, uh, I think. So I guess it would have been fever, like serum with like. The, the they knew had the virus yeah and it like went and attacked the virus or something dog flu cured f- fertility rate reduced it's like <laughs> just all these printouts but it's it's one of those great like wes anderson like tracking shots that goes from s- station to station and everything is like well put together it's, it's almost like a rube goldberg machine kind of it shot. makes you a little afraid for his like how his mind works you're like really how did you come up with this like <laughs> This is how Wes Anderson sees every lab. (laughs) But, like, I think the best is the payoff at the end, though. When when they pour... So they they pick up this miscellaneous-looking liquid, just, like, yellow tinge. And what looks like an Erlenmeyer flash. And they pour it onto test tubes. You're like, oh, what are they going to do now? And they all pick it up and, like, cheers each other. And (laughs) And then it's revealed that that's... That's just a fully operating bar that's attached so, to the lab that is lab Clearly an academic lab, not a, a <laughs> hospital. Well, I just love it because Greta Gerwig's character comes back later and orders a orders a milk, I remember. Yes, yes, she does. <laughs> Along with a assistant head scientist, Yoko Ono. Yoko has like one has like three speaking lines in this. Yeah. But they're delivered very well. And I think it's very much in that Wes Anderson spirit of keeping that those like cultural signifiers from the '60s and bringing them into his work. Like he loves putting Kinks music in his movies, hmm. so it it was fun. I don't like that Greta Gerwig's character just slapped her in the face. It was effective. Yeah. It was effective, but it also like kind of plays into okay, what is Wes Anderson's real image of Japanese people, even esteemed Japanese artists like Yoko Ono? It's like. Yoko wanted to, you know, I have to say, maybe he was pitching it to the people that participated in this differently than we're perceiving it. Well, but then at the same time, I feel like they probably saw the script, right? Or at least a summary. Or, uh, well, and, okay. And, you and, find, we, and I found out. And she's also from a different generation than we are. Yes. So she probably perceived it differently as well. And you know what? It did play for laughs, in a way. Yeah. It's like. Had that been a separate thing from everything else that was going on, I would have been more into it, potentially. Mm-hmm. It, but it just felt like a symptom. But speaking of great Japanese artists and actors, you know who plays the surgeon at the end? In that really cool surgery scene, too, where you've oh, got the spreaders man. during the kidney transplant. Oh, I love when they inject everyone, like the dogs with the virus, and you, they see and it, you like, see the cross-section of, oh, of the serum. Yeah, no, there's a lot of good, at- so good like, anatomy stuff going on in this one. But in the very end, there's a surgery scene, and the uh, head surgeon is voiced by Ken Watanabe from Inception. Saito. Oh, oh man, that's yeah, really so cool. Yeah, so nice tie into two episodes wow. ago. Exactly. So this has been a fun one, I think. Like, even for all the problems I have with it, I really do enjoy this movie. It's not for everyone. Like, no. if. No, I don't think Who's so. Who's it not for? Well, first of all, some people are put off by that Wes Anderson-style stop motion. Like, I do want to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox with you again now, just to 
now that we've seen this because I you think... know I really don't think it's even the stop motion I think it was the characters in that movie were just weird they were too human they're just weird we'll revisited <laughs> at some point you see I loved it I loved it. maybe I loved with it. a few uh, a few um, a few Japanese gin and tonics and perhaps and patience we, we have a Japanese gin right now oh it's so tasty I like it a lot um, all right well, are are you ready let's rate. Yes. You go uh, first. What are we going to rate it out of? We haven't been doing that lately, have we? Do we not? I don't know. Uh, but obviously puppy snaps, right? Ah, uh, puppy snaps. Yeah. yeah. Mm, 4.2 puppy snaps. 4.2? Yeah. It's I- visually stunning. The music was great. The only th- like and we... The voice just- cast was excellent yeah. for the non-Japanese cast. The ja- They're... There needed to be, I don't know, a better okay, well, cultural consultant. Okay, well, you can consultant. save your comments for your rating. Well, let me give my rating. All right. I give it 3.9 out of oh, 5 okay. puppy okay. snaps. I'm, I'm surprised. No, like, I still greatly enjoy it. I still think it's a very lovingly crafted movie. I love the animation. I, We talked about, like, the cotton and the cellophane and stuff like that. Like, the way that he's able to, like, render effects using the stop motion animation is I would really excellent. love for him to do another one. At some point. Yeah. I will say, a lot of directors are doing these, like, anthology films. Like, what his next one's gonna be. Like, like where there, where it's, like, several vignettes told in, like, one overarching story. Like, like yeah. Buster Scruggs. But I'm not super hot on those, actually. I am pretty hot on the French Dispatch, though. Because I feel like the, uh, the way... I feel like the middle narrative is gonna tie it together a little bit better. Just from what I've seen. I hate seen. when they don't really tie... Like, Buster Scruggs really didn't tie in together that well. Mm, the first and the last one tied together. Because the Frenchman is in both. But see, that's not really tying it together. It is tying them together. Not really. It is. The Frenchman is very important, and I love him. No. And listen, the the coachman just doesn't stop, okay? The coachman (sighs) does not stop. All right, well, this has been home viewing. This has been home viewing. Um, Wash your hands. Wait, wait, you know, the... Mm. Oh, we gotta say the things. The say the things and the stuff. Pocket Podcast Network. We're a member of it. Listen, uh, something really cool is out on the Pocket Podcast Network right now. Big. Or it will be out, or may already be out. Listen, by the time you, I'm so confused. By the time this episode comes out, it will certainly be near and or out. There is a new episode of No Dice that. I am very heavily involved in. It's a, a different take on No Dice. We took... Some... It's a musical. Yeah, it is actually a musical. <laughs> and I wrote and performed the music in that musical. <laughs> so definitely check out the No Dice feed for the Fantastic Adventures of the Magic Assholes, which I helped to write <laughs> and which I what perform in. It's... Do you need to have listened to them but listen to this one? I really don't think you do. It's still pretty much a standalone audio play. But if you get confused, they did a really good recap episode that goes over everything that's happened, like, up to, like, one arc before this before this uh, theater arc that we're doing right now. Awesome. So, definitely check that out. Other shows include Sorted, Them's the Facts. Steampunks. Exactly. So, exactly. Lots Green of... Green Mountain Mysteries? Yes. Let's just do all of them. All of the shows. All the shows. Just listen to them. They're fun. They're good. It's a good network. And I'm really, you know... You forgot, um... Monster Boys. And, oh, Ghoul Tank. Yeah, Ghoul Tank. 
So, like, I'm really proud to be working with these people as my colleagues on the network. They, they're pretty we, great. They're pretty great. We've been hanging out with them online a lot lately. And it's just a really good community that we've built. And I think it's definitely worth taking a listen to some now of Now you have some spare have. time. You certainly do. <laughs> do Even listen, I have spare time and I'm still going to work and school online. Do you need to run your dishwasher for the 10th time this week? Well, maybe while you <laughs> empty it and load it, then you can put a podcast on in the background. So definitely check it out. What's our episode next week? Our episode next week will be the one that we said would have been the next one. Ah. It's going to be, it's kind of so a funny it's, story. You know, yeah. yeah we're it really staggered. is kind of a funny story. It is kind of a funny story. This one is, I like it. I don't, or I liked it the last time I watched it. Oh boy. Which was a long time ago. I think I will still enjoy it because I remember really liking the performances from uh, Zach Galifianakis and Keira Gilchrist. So... Get ready for me to compare it to every other teen movie that's come out since then. Also, Viola Davis is in it. What? This I must have watched it before I like really knew who she was. Yeah, exactly. Oh so, man! But she doesn't even cry in this one, so like. What? That's not possible. I know, crazy, right? Until next time, we've been home viewing. Our theme music has been by the Organ Machines, which we forgot to mention, but we'll mention now. It's a track called Oil Waves off of their first EP. So now, finally, <laughs> until next time. I'm Bethany. I'm John. Don't, don't buy, buy any more DVDs. Nobody looks at it that way but you. We are some drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.